Amen. The title of this sermon is The Land of the Free. The Land of the Free. So July 4th is when we celebrate our nation's birthday. 1776, July 4th is when we celebrate our, our nation's birthday, and that's a a great day to celebrate. We have reason to celebrate because our nation is great. America is the greatest nation in the history of the world. Now, it's not great just because we were born here. America is great because it was founded upon great ideas, great principles, great truths, what our founding fathers called self-evident truths. These are timeless truths. These are truths that are not just true for Americans, but they're true for people all around the world, and that's what makes America so great. These truths that are found in the founding documents, the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. One of these truths is the truth that all men are created equal. All men are created equal. Now, because all men are created equal, that means that no man has the right to rule over another man without his consent. So the idea that we're all created equal leads to the idea of consent of the governed. That's why we're a representative representative democracy. We choose our government officials. And that's a wonderful thing. That's a reason to celebrate. Another truth that our nation is founded upon is the truth that people are endowed by their creator with unalienable what? Rights. Such as the rights to life, liberty, and what? The pursuit of happiness. These rights that we have, they are unalienable. That means you can't take them away. Why can't, you t- why can't they be taken away? Because they were never given to us by a human being or by the government in the first place. Our rights are given to us by God. Your rights are yours because you're human. Because you're a human being created in the image of God, you have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And that's why the government has no right to take them away. The government didn't give them to you in the first place. And that leads to another timeless principle about our government, about the United States of America. America is founded upon the principle that the only reason that the government exists, the only reason why people would consent to establish a government over them is for the purpose of securing their unalienable rights for the purpose of protecting those rights. The only reason why the government exists is not to limit our freedom, not to take away our freedom, but to make sure that our rights are protected. That's why we've established a government in the first place. And of course, as Christians, what's especially important and what's especially um, uh, very, very good for Christians is that the very first right, the very first freedom in our Constitution that's protected is religious freedom. Religious freedom is called the first freedom because it's the very first freedom protected in the Bill of Rights of the Constitution. It goes like this. The First Amendment says, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. In other words, the federal government does not have the right or the power to prohibit us from exercising our religion. That's worth celebrating. This is why Christians should celebrate living in America. We should celebrate July 4th. July 4th is a wonderful time for Christians to celebrate. It's because of what our nation was founded upon, what our nation represents. Now, religious freedom is so important. The Bible says that as Christians, our highest authority is God, not the pastor. Not parents, not the husband, and not the government, not the teacher. The highest authority that we have is God. 
And therefore, when God says to do something, we have to do it. We have to obey God before anybody else. It's like Peter said, the Apostle Peter said to the Jewish government in Acts 5.29. He said, we must obey God rather than men. We must obey God rather than men. Now, that's why religious freedom is so important. If we don't have religious freedom, then Christians are put in a very, very difficult and awkward position. Without religious freedom, then we're faced with a difficult choice as Christians. Without religious freedom, we can either sin against God or we can rebel against the government. That's our choice. Not a very good choice, is it? Without religious freedom, we can either sin against God or rebel against the government. Without religious freedom, we can either become a sinner or an outlaw. That's why religious freedom is so important, and that's why it's so wonderful that our nation protects religious freedom. And that's why, one of the main reasons why I'm going to be celebrating this weekend and tomorrow, why it's a good reason to celebrate July 4th. Unfortunately, though, as you know, because if you come to Church Cadiana, we talk about this, our freedom, our religious freedom, has been under attack in America for the past couple of decades, especially. Like never before, our religious freedom is under attack. First Liberty Institute is one of the largest legal organizations in America that's dedicated solely to protecting religious freedom. And they say on their website that between 2011 and 2015, attacks on religious freedom in America have tripled. Every year, First Liberty Institute, they put together this report called Undeniable, in which they essentially uh, survey all of the attacks on religion, all the attacks on uh, religious expression in America. And the 2016 version of Undeniable documents, six, uh, let's see, 1,200 cases of hostility toward religious expression in America. 1,200 and counting. That's not an exhaustive list. Religious freedom is under attack like never before. Now, as you probably know, the attacks on religious liberty in America right now are connected to two very controversial issues. This is the center of the battle. It's connected to homosexuality and, surprise, surprise, transgenderism. The changing sentiment of many in our culture is causing Christians to come under attack because of those two very controversial issues. Traditionally, for thousands of years, Christians, Orthodox Jews, Muslims, and people of all other faiths, many other faiths, have believed that homosexuality and transgenderism are sinful behaviors that we should avoid as Christians. That's what we've believed for thousands of years. But right now, our government is faced with this decision. Are Christians going to be allowed, Christians and people of other faiths, are, go are they going to be allowed to dissent against homosexuality and transgenderism? Or are they going to be forced to participate and to approve and to endorse these behaviors. Is our government going to make room for Christians and for people of other faiths to dissent, to disagree with, to not participate in these activities, or are they going to be forced or punished? That's the decision. And the track record over the past couple of years especially has been that Christians have been persecuted rather than protected. Now you know the stories, some of the stories that I've told you, just want to review some of them. You've heard of Baronelle Stutzman, the florist in Washington, a Christian lady 
She's had gay employees. She serves gay customers all the time. She makes flower arrangements, and she makes flower arrangements for weddings and other events. One of her longtime friends, a gay customer, who she has served multiple times, close friends, came to her and said, would you provide the floral arrangements for my wedding? And very respectfully and lovingly, she said, I can't do that because my religion doesn't allow me to participate in a gay wedding ceremony. And so instead of tolerating her, instead of accepting her for who she is and for what she believes, her gay employees sued her. And right now she's, in, she's, she's going through several appeals. She's in danger of losing everything right now. That's still going on right now. You've heard the story of Aaron and Melissa Klein, the bakers from Oregon. A similar situation. They make wedding cakes. So their wedding cakes are, you know, destiny. You make wedding cakes. You know, wedding cakes are a piece of art. Very, very personal. I mean, you, you put your heart and soul into this. This is like a, like a painting. And they serve gay customers all the time. But someone, a gay customer, asked them, would you make the wedding cake for our wedding and very respectfully, they said, our religion doesn't allow us to participate in same-sex weddings. We think that's a sin. That's an abomination to God. We can't do that, unfortunately. So instead of accepting them, instead of making space for them and tolerating them and just going next door to the next bakery, they sued them for $150,000 for emotional damages. And now the clients are in danger of losing their business and, and of losing so much that they've worked for, including their reputation. Now, again, Baronel Stutzman, the Kleins, they did not refuse to serve a gay person. They say serve gay people all the time. They refused to participate in an event that they find sinful. You've heard the story of Kelvin, Kelvin Cochran, the decorated fire chief from the city of Atlanta. He was even recognized and awarded by President Obama. He was hired as the fire chief in the city of Atlanta, and then the city council of Atlanta found out that he wrote a book. He's a Christian man, goes to a Baptist church in Atlanta. He wrote a book that discusses God's plan for marriage is between one man and one woman, and God's plan for sexuality is between, in a marriage between a man and a woman. When the city council of Atlanta found out his views on marriage and sexuality, they fired him. So the city of Atlanta in the United States of America, one of America's major cities, said, listen, everybody's welcome in Atlanta. Everybody's accepted. You can be a man and dress up like a woman. We don't, you can be black and think you're white. You can think anything you want. You can believe anything you want. Everybody's accepted except for one type of person. That's people like you. Christians who think that marriage should be between a man and a woman and that sex should only be between a husband and a wife in marriage. People like you, well, we'll let you live here for now, but you surely can't work for the city of Atlanta. That's in America. You've heard the story of Dr. Eric Walsh. This is rather new. Dr. Walsh was hired by the Georgia Department of Health. He's a doctor as the district health director. But after he was hired, he's a layman. He's, he doesn't work on staff at his church, but he's a layman. He's, been, he's, a, he's a part of the Seventh-day Adventist church. Christian church, and as, as a layman, he preaches every once in a while at his church. And so the Department of Health went and looked at, after he was hired, they went and looked at some of his sermons to see what he was preaching about. Well, some of his sermons were sermons about marriage, traditional marriage, and sexuality. 
When the Georgia Department of Health found out his views, his religious views on marriage and sexuality, they fired him. They said, listen, everybody's welcome in Georgia. doesn't matter what you believe, who you are, what color your skin is, what your sexual orientation or gender identity is. doesn't matter. doesn't matter how crazy you are. But, but if you're a Christian and if you still hold to those ancient traditions, then you can't, you can't work for the government of Georgia. I don't know if you've heard of several different Catholic charities, the Catholic Charities of Boston, Catholic Charities in Washington, D.C., and the Evangelical Child and Family Agency in Illinois. This is happening all, all over the place. These different states are coming to their orphanages. These are orphanages and foster care uh, programs. They're coming to the orphanages and they're telling them that you have to place children with same-sex couples. You have to. We don't care what your religious beliefs are. We don't care what your conscience says. We don't care what your moral beliefs are. We don't care if what you think is best for kids. The government is now telling you what you have to believe. You have to place kids with same-sex couples. Or you can shut down. And that's exactly what these, these charities that have existed for decades and have done so much wonderful work, charitable work in our country, they're shutting down. All three of these have shut their doors completely. Because they can't, in good conscience, go along with the new morality in America. I could go on and on with story after story, but what I want to do this morning is simply convince you and equip you to get in the fight for religious freedom. That's what we should be doing as Americans. President Ronald Reagan, he said this, and this, I've quoted this before. This is a great, great quote. He says, freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. It must be fought for, protected, and handed on for them to do the same. Or one day, we will spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it was once like in the United States when men were free. We're free right now. That freedom is eroding away rapidly. We've got to fight for it. We've got to protect it. Freedom is something you can't just take for granted. If we don't fight for it, the next generation will not have it. Three ways to defend, to protect religious freedom. If you're taking notes, number one, understand the nature of religious freedom. Understand the nature of religious freedom or the definition of religious freedom. What is religious freedom? In order to protect something, you have to know what it is. You have to know what you're defending. A big reason that our religious freedom has been eroding away is that opponents of religious freedom are very slyly redefining it. What they're doing is reducing religious freedom to the freedom of worship. The freedom of worship. Eric Metaxas explains it well. Opponents of religious liberty, he writes, are seeking to keep religion within the four walls of our churches synagogues and mosques, as if religious belief were no more than a purely private opinion with no practical implications for the real world. In other words, feel free to worship if you like, but keep your religiously informed opinions and actions to yourself. See, they don't believe in freedom of worship or religion. They believe in freedom of worship. Sarah Torrey of the Heritage Foundation, she writes this, This incorrect view of religious liberty argues that faith should remain a private affair, 
relegated to personal activities or weekend worship services, step outside the four walls of a home or house of worship, and robust protection of religious freedom ends. In other words, hey, you want to be a Christian? That's great. Just be a Christian at home and at church. But when you leave your home, when you leave your church, when you go to work, when you go to Walmart, when you go to the mall, when you go to school, or if you serve in government, we don't want to hear about your religion. We don't want your, want your religion to influence you or anybody else at all. The first way, though, to define what is religious freedom is simply to look at the law itself. What does the Constitution say in the very First Amendment? Let's look at what the law says again. It says Congress, that's the federal government, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. The first thing that I want you to notice is that nowhere in the law do you find the words the separation of church and state. Those words are not found anywhere in United States law. Nowhere. Those words were written by Thomas Jefferson in a letter to the Danbury Baptist Association in defense of religious freedom, not to restrict it. Nowhere in the Constitution do you find the words church or state or separation. So that's the first thing. As well, notice that the the First Amendment does not say that the government cannot support religion. It doesn't say Congress can't support religion. It doesn't say Congress can't encourage religion, does it? Do you see that there? It doesn't say that. It says establish. Congress cannot establish a religion, which means that Congress cannot set up a national denomination. In other words, we're part of the Southern Baptist Convention, which is the largest Protestant denomination in America. What this means is that Congress cannot make the Southern Baptist Convention the national church to where everybody has to give their finances to this church, everybody has to attend, everybody has to believe, and people who don't, they're treated like second-class citizens. That's the establishment of religion. That's what that means. That's all that that means. But more importantly, it says this in the second part. It says that Congress cannot prohibit the free exercise of religion. It doesn't say that Congress cannot prohibit freedom of worship. It says Congress cannot prohibit the free exercise of religion. Charles Colson, he said this. He said in the First Amendment... The founders wisely ensured that government could not prohibit the free exercise of religion. And that means so much more than freedom of worship. It guarantees that we're not restricted to living out our faith in the privacy of our homes and church. It means we're free to exercise our religion and contend for faith in every area of life. Now, another way to answer the definition or to define religious freedom is to define religion itself. In order to define religious freedom or understand religious freedom, you have to understand what is religion itself. Ryan Messmore says it this way of the Heritage Foundation. He says, does religion have to do merely with doctrines and beliefs? Or does it also concern the application of those beliefs? Think about it. Is it something only to be preached about and celebrated in seminaries and worship services, or is it something to be practiced in daily life and work? Is religion solely private, or does it also take a public form? According to Stephen Carter, a law professor at Yale, a widely held belief today is that religion is like building model airplanes. 
just another hobby, something quiet, something private, something trivial that you do in your garage or your basement or your attic. But religion, as you know, as a Christian, is much more than something private, something trivial, something for the weekends only, right? What does Scripture tell us? 1 Corinthians 10.31. It says, therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do everything for God's glory. As Christians, we are to live for God's glory, not just one day a week, but every day of the week. Not just for an hour on Sunday, but 24-7. Not just at church, but at home, at work, at school, in the government. We glorify God. We live for God. We take our faith. We can't help it with us wherever we go. Amen? James 2.14. It says, what, what good is it, my brothers, if someone has faith but does not have works? And then he says in verse 17, faith, if it doesn't have works, is dead by itself. In other words, James says, what kind of religion just believes but doesn't work out those beliefs in your daily life? That's a dead religion, a useless religion, a pointless religion, a religion that just happens at worship, worship services on Sunday, but doesn't impact or affect the rest of your life. That's weak. That's not a religion. That's nothing. That's a waste of time is what that is. Jesus said in Matthew seven twenty four, he told us, Everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a sensible man who builds his house on the rock. Notice that Jesus says as a Christian, our job is not merely to hear his words, but to what? But to act on them. Everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them. We don't just hear and believe, we act on the words of Jesus. We live them out in our daily lives. Ryan Messmore He goes on to say, rather than a private hobby for home or the weekends, the major religious traditions, this is not just unique to Christianity, this is religion in general. The major religious traditions in America teach that faith should be integrated into every sphere of activity, including work. This view holds that faithfulness entails more than just displaying religious symbols on one's desk or praying with colleagues during lunch. Faithfulness also concerns the actual work people do and the decisions they make regarding the operations and environment of their institutions. Even uh, Michelle Obama, the first lady, she agrees that religion isn't just about showing up on Sunday for a good sermon and good music and a good meal. It's about what we do Monday through Saturday as well. I'm sure she wishes sometimes she could go back and eat her words. Here's a good definition for you. Ryan T. Anderson of uh, Public Discourse of the Heritage Foundation. Ryan T. Anderson, anything you can find on the Internet by him is a good read. He's one of the foremost and most outspoken defenders of religious liberty today. This is how he defines religious liberty. He says, true religious liberty entails the freedom to live consistently with one's beliefs seven days a week in the chapel, in the marketplace, and in the public square. Now, some people today, what they're doing whenever they talk about religious freedom, this is a very new development, even as recent as this year, whenever they write about religious freedom in the news or talk about it, what they'll do is they'll put quotation marks around the words religious freedom. And what they'll say is, yeah, religious freedom is simply an excuse to discriminate. Religious freedom is just your your excuse to discriminate, but that's not at all true. Religious freedom is not an excuse to discriminate, but the freedom to exercise your religion. It's the freedom to exercise your religion. Here's something that we should all agree on. It doesn't matter if you're a Democrat or a Republican, liberal or conservative. It doesn't matter what country you're from, something we should all agree on. Good morning. We prayed for you guys. Y'all okay? Good, good. 
Here's something we can all agree on, we all should agree on. No one should be forced by the government. No one should be forced by the government to participate in an event or to endorse a message that they can't in good conscience do. Nobody should be forced to do something, to say something, to participate in something by the government that they can't in good conscience do, whether it's just your moral beliefs or your religious beliefs as well. That doesn't matter if you're a Christian, a Muslim, gay, straight. doesn't matter. Nobody should be forced by the government. That's a violation of your natural, basic human right to freedom. Freedom of conscience. For example, if you're a baker, a Christian baker, and you think that a same-sex wedding ceremony is an abomination, a horrible sin against God, the government has no right to come and force you to use your talents and resources and time to contribute to participate in a gay wedding. That is an, uh, an immoral violation of freedom. The same is true if you're a gay baker and a Christian comes to you and says, hey, we're having a traditional marriage conference in which we're celebrating and preaching that marriage should only be between a man and a woman. We want you to make a cake that says marriage is only between a man and a woman. And you're a gay baker. You should have the freedom to say, I can't do that in good conscience. I support, I disagree with their viewpoint, but I support their freedom. If you're a black baker, you should not have to bake a cake for a Klu Klux, Klu Klux Klan rally. Right? The government should not be able to tell you, you have to. We don't care what you believe. If you're a musician, you're a guitarist, you're a saxophone player, maybe you're one of these wedding uh, musicians, you should be able to choose which events that you want to perform at which songs that you play. The government should not be able to come and tell you you have to play at these types of events and you have to play these songs. That is a horrible overreach of government power. What if you're a photographer? You're a Christian photographer. The government should not be able to come in and say you have to take sexually explicit pictures. You have to take pornographic photos. Don't you think as a Christian you should have the freedom to say no, I, I, I can't in good conscience do this, right? Well, in the same vein, if you're a Christian photographer, you should be able to say, I can't in good conscience take pictures at a gay wedding. That violates my religion and my conscience. If you're a t-shirt maker, you know, you make t-shirts with messages on t-shirts and designs on t-shirts. You should, in America, in any country, you should have the freedom to be able to decide which messages you print on your t-shirts. Everyone should have the freedom to run their business, to live their life in accordance with their religious and moral beliefs. That's just a basic common sense, and it doesn't matter. That's why this is not about equality. Gay people should have that freedom too. Whether you're a Christian, a Muslim, a Jew, everybody should have the freedom to live their lives, to run their business according to their religious beliefs. Religious freedom is not an excuse to discriminate. It's the freedom to exercise your religion. Now, you see this on the other side very clearly, the, the other side of the argument. In 2014, you heard the story probably that HGTV... They decided to cancel the show, flip it forward, before its first program was aired because they found out that the stars of this show, the Benham brothers, David and Jason, that they were conservative Christians against gay marriage, against homosexuality. The show had nothing to do with this. But they decided because of what the Benham brothers believe, they couldn't air that show. 
Okay? Now they have the freedom to do that as HGTV. This year, ESPN, they fired Kurt Schilling whenever he voiced his opinion that men should not be able to use women's bathrooms, that people should not be able to use the bathroom according to their gender identity, but according to their biological sex. All he did was agree with that. And so ESPN fired him. PayPal this year, just a few months ago, PayPal decided that it was not going to open up a new operations center in the state of North Carolina because North Carolina just passed a bathroom bill that says you have to use the bathroom according to your biological sex and not your gender identity. PayPal didn't like that. They said, we're not going to build a new operations center in the state of North Carolina. And you know what? I disagree with PayPal. I disagree with ESPN. I disagree with HGTV, but I support their freedom to run their business according to their religious beliefs and their moral beliefs, and to control the message that they promote and that they send out. The, qu the question is, are they willing to give Christians the same freedom? The same freedom, the same rights that they demand for themselves, will they give to us? That's what religious freedom is all about. It's about the freedom to exercise our religion. Okay, now number three, or number two, a second way to defend religious freedom, you have to know the enemy's strategy. Know the enemy's strategy. In order to defeat the enemy, you have to know what the enemy is using to defeat you, to hurt you. We've been losing our religious freedom the last couple of years rapidly. Why? What's causing all of this? I'll tell you right now, and I've talked to you about this before. Right now, the reason why we're losing our religious freedom is primarily because of laws and ordinances called SOGIs. S, if you want to write this down, S-O-G-I, SOGIs. SOGI stands for Sexual Orientation Gender Identity. In other words, homosexuality and transgenderism. All over the country, different cities, different states are passing SOGIs, these laws, these ordinances, that what they essentially do is they elevate sexual orientation and gender identity on the same level as race and religion and biological sex. And just as in our country, you can't dis discriminate somebody on the basis of their skin color, you can't discriminate on, against somebody because of, their, because of their biological sex. Well, they are elevating sexual orientation and gender identity to that same level so that now if you discriminate against someone, quote-unquote discriminate against someone because of their sexual orientation or gender identity, now you're a racist and now you're a bigot. Now, on the surface, it sounds harmless because nobody's for discrimination. You shouldn't be able to discriminate against people. But in reality, what happens is that SOGIs are not for equality. They don't promote or foster or create a level playing field. What happens is whenever a city or a state passes a SOGI, it makes it legal for the government to persecute Christians. It becomes illegal to believe that marriage is between a man and a woman and that sex is only between a husband and a wife suddenly Christians become persecuted. In all the states where you have bakers and florists and photographers and orphanages being shut down, it's in states or in cities where they have sojis. Whenever they go to court, what is the plaintiff using to sue? They're using the sojis that have been passed in those cities or states. Now let me explain the problem with sojis. Sojis mean that a person can use the bathroom according to their gender identity. That means a man can use a woman's bathroom. A boy can go to the, woman, the girl's locker room in high school, for example. 
A soji means that if you express your opinion at work, that marriage is between a man and a woman, or that homosexuality is wrong, that you can be fired for creating a hostile work environment. Sojis mean that if an adoption agency does not want to place children in a same-sex couple, that that adoption agency can be fined and then shut down. Sojis mean that if a baker or a florist photographer does not want to participate in a gay wedding because of their religious beliefs, they can be sued. Sojis mean that if a city or a state employee, like a public school teacher, uh, like somebody on the school board, uh, like a city council person, a state or a city employee, if they express their opinion against homosexuality or against same-sex marriage or against transgenderism, if they happen to preach a sermon about it at church, if they happen to write a blog about it, if they happen to post something on Facebook about it, or if they happen to say something at work, they can be fired because it's discrimination against gender identity or sexual orientation. Essentially, the effect, if not the cause, if not the purpose of SOGIs, is to force everyone in society to approve of, to participate in homosexuality and transgenderism. There's no room for tolerance. There's no room for dis disagreement. There's no room for free speech. There's no room for freedom of religion. They're now controlling what you believe and what you do. Now, that's what a soji is. And that's what the enemy is using to defeat religious liberty all over America. Now, here's, the, here's what you need to know. Currently, the federal government does not have a soji. There's not a soji on the federal level right now. But there are those in Congress right now who are trying to pass the Equality Act. Anytime you hear that word equality, it probably means inequality for Christians. Right now, they're trying to pass the Equality Act, which would elevate sexual orientation and gender identity to the same place as race and sex, religion, all those things. So pray against the Equality Act. Do whatever you can. Contact your congressman. Now, as well, we don't have SOGIs on a state level in Louisiana. And we don't right now have them on a parish level. In fact, there's only two cities in Louisiana that have SOGIs, and that's New Orleans and Shreveport. But our current governor, unlike Bobby Jindal, is very LGBT friendly. He would love for Louisiana to have a SOGI. So keep your ears and your eyes open as well. In Lafayette Parish, we don't have a SOGI, but we need to be vigilant. We need to be watchful. On the flip side, there are some wonderful politicians right now who are trying to pass a law on the federal level that would protect people who believe that marriage is still supposed to only be between a man and a woman and that homosexuality is sinful, for example. There's a law right now that the congressmen are trying to, it's actually moving through Congress right now called the First Amendment Defense Act. Essentially what it does, to quote Ryan Anderson, he's, it's, it's FADA, the Federal Amendment Defense Act protects the rights of individuals and the associations they form, small businesses and charities, schools and social services, to speak and act in accordance with their belief that marriage is the union of a man and a woman in the public square and the marketplace. In other words, you might say, well, why do we need more religious freedom laws if we already have the First Amendment? Well, because SOGIs are being passed all over the country now that are causing Christians, people who disagree with, who have moral and religious disagreements to homosexuality and transgenderism to be persecuted. 
So now we have to create extra protections, clarify protections for Christians and people of other faiths who dissent. So pray for the First Amendment Defense Act. Number three, the third thing we need to do to protect religious freedom is become civically engaged. One of the greatest threats to our liberty in America is that Christians will get so consumed with their jobs, their careers, with their finances, with their families, with their churches, with their hobbies, that they will become civically disengaged. They'll stop voting, they'll stop uh, petitioning, they'll stop contacting people, they'll stop being involved, stop staying informed, and our country will get taken away from us, we'll lose our freedoms without even putting up a fight. That's essentially what's happened over the past 50 years. In 2012, as an example, President Obama, he won for the second time the presidency. Even though he's the most pro-choice president in U.S. history, he's also the most LGBT-friendly president in U.S. history. How in the world did he get voted into office two times with so many Christians in America? George Barna, according to Barna Research, found that of the 89 million born-again Christians in America, 89 million, 38 million did not vote in that election in 2012. And 12 million were not even registered. That's a failure of God's people. That's a failure on our part to be the salt and the light that God has called us to be. We've got to be civically engaged. I have a buddy that I talk about politics a lot with. He loves to talk about politics and he loves to watch Fox News. So it gets him fired up all the time. The problem is he doesn't vote. Because he doesn't want to take 30 minutes to go vote. Now, he bowls three or four times a week. He has the time to go bowling three or four times a week, but he doesn't have time to take 30 minutes three or four times a year to go vote and to represent Jesus Christ in voting. I believe that our country, and I know you agree, is in such bad shape for two reasons. It's because Christians for the past half century have been civically disengaged. And it's because pastors have stopped preaching and teaching their people about culture and politics. So we've got to do our part to change that. We've got to be God's people and represent him in the world. Don't fall into the trap of defeatism. Defeatism, which is the mindset that our country's too far gone. I mean, look, we've had two terms of Obama. Very likely we're going to have Hillary Clinton as our next president. And it's not looking good. And so a lot of Christians just think it's too far gone. It's too far gone. What's the point? Listen, we serve a mighty God who can do anything. What does Philippians 4.13 say? I can, do, I can do all things through Christ. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Listen, we're not fighting to save America. We're fighting to save religious freedom for ourselves and for our children and for future generations of Christians. Don't forget that some good things have happened over the past year or so. Some good, good things. The city of Houston... You heard about that last year? The city of Houston, the city council of Houston, very liberal. They decided to ram through a new SOGI, a sexual orientation gender identity ordinance. Okay, exactly what I was just talking about. The city council did this. Well, in the city of Houston, they have the option of a referendum. That means if enough citizens can pass around a petition, they can take the law or the ordinance that the city council just passed, and they can put it up to a vote for the whole city. Well, they needed 17,000 signatures on the petition. They got 50,000. And listen, the churches in Houston were very involved in this. When it was put up for a vote, the city of Houston voted against the SOGI. That's one of America's largest cities. 
And they said no, no to the Sojis. Just this past April in the state of Mississippi, they passed a new law called the Protecting Freedom of Conscience from Government Discrimination Act. Protecting Freedom of Conscience from Government Discrimination Act. This is amazing. This just happened in April in Mississippi. This is what it, what it does. Religious organizations cannot be forced to use their facilities for same-sex weddings. Religion adoption agencies don't have to place children with same-sex couples. Bakers and florists and photographers don't have to use their talents to participate in same-sex weddings if it goes against their religion. State employees cannot be fired for expressing their beliefs about marriage. State clerks don't have to issue same-sex marriage licenses. Private businesses and schools get to set their own bathroom policies. Isn't that awesome? That was passed into law in the state of Mississippi. Now, last year, there was a congressman in Louisiana on the state level who tried to pass one of these, but it couldn't even go past committee. Wouldn't even put up for a vote in the House of Representatives. Wouldn't go past committee in Louisiana. We got some work to do, but it can be done. If it can happen in Houston, if it can happen in Mississippi, it can happen here. What we have to realize, and this is the last thing I'm going to say, what we have to realize is that there are people in our country who hate religion, and they hate religious freedom, and they would like to abolish the First Amendment. To them, the only freedom of religion is freedom from religion. They want the freedom to never be influenced or touched by a Christian or by somebody who believes in God. They don't want their children, they don't want to turn on the TV and they're to be preaching on the TV. They don't want to turn on the radio and be somebody talking about God on the radio. They don't want to even see churches down. They, they want to completely do away with it. And as Christians, we can sit back and we can get consumed in our personal lives, our daily lives. And we can let our country be stolen away from us without even a fight, or we can get involved, and we can do our part. How do you get involved? You've got to pray, you've got to vote, you've got to contact your representatives, and you've got to stay informed. You've got to stay informed. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful, Lord, for our country and for letting us live in this place and for the United States of America and all the good that it's done for our families and for generations of Americans, Lord. America's not perfect Lord, but it's, it's the nation that's done the most good in the history of the world. And Lord, we just pray that you will protect our religious freedom for our children, for future generations of Americans. Help us to do our part, Lord. Show us what we need to do. And Lord, help us to be courageous and bold and to step up and to do our part. Lord, we pray for the upcoming presidential election, Lord. Lord, I just want to personally pray, Lord, that that your person, your person, would be elected, Lord, that you protect our nation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, y'all. Y'all have a wonderful July 4th, wonderful holiday. God bless you. God bless America.